Welcome to On the Edge with Sick, the podcast where we explore individuals and organizations on the edge of social innovation through a design lens. We're your hosts, Nita and Sylvia, co-founders of Sick. Cameron Norman is someone who thinks a lot about change. As the principal and president of Sense Limited, he works with organizations looking for ways to adapt, grow, and learn from what they do and respond to a changing world. This work brings together strategic design, evaluation, and education, themes that continue from a long career as an educator, evaluator, academic researcher, and social innovator. Thank you for being here today with us, Cameron. It's a real pleasure. Welcome, Cameron. We start with asking all of our guests, what does on the edge mean to you? Uh, I I love that idea of uh, being on the edge. And when I think about being on the edge, I always think about the almost like the almost like a knife edge having two sides to it. So that idea about, about dividing two different worlds kind of thing. But when I think about on the edge, I actually think that's where most of the most interesting and creative things happen. It's when you're on that, that edge of two different places. Uh, that's where we often learn a lot. And certainly in the work that I do, that's usually where you have the greatest amount of leverage for making uh, change happen because it's in those areas where there's still room for creativity there's uh, opportunities to do something different, and yet um, you still have that kind of the core. So that's that's what I think about when I think about the edge. I, it's a very exciting term or concept. Mm-hmm. That's why we chose it for our podcast. <laughs> thanks for your answer. Everyone has a slightly different take on that, yeah. which I love. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into your professional journey. Can you tell us briefly about that? Sure, sure. Well, I had, um, I mean, I I go way back, but I I studied psychology in school. Um, I -hmm. had discovered that uh, my first psychology course in undergrad, I started out in business and uh, was taking that and I took my psychology 100 course and it just blew my mind. I I knew immediately that was what I wanted to do. So I went to school and I studied that and did a, um, but I also learned that, you know, what I wanted to do was uh, I love the idea of being able to take psychological concepts and be of service to people, but also to, you know, to inspire people, things like that. And, and just, you know, make a, make a difference, I guess. And uh, so I figured out, well, what was I going to need to do that? And, at the time, it looked like I would have to do a PhD. So I literally just went to school and did a, a PhD and uh, studied psychology. But um, my uh, my doctorate actually is in uh, public health, uh, mm-hmm. not because it wasn't on psychology, but it was actually on psychology applied to public health, and which opened up a lot of opportunities to do work within the health sector, which I is is in no need of or no shortage of need for change and change support. So um, I ended up starting my career as a, as a faculty member, a full-time faculty member at the University of Toronto. Uh, but what I found was that a lot of the projects that I was working on seemed so interested, they didn't really fit within an academic model. So I ended up uh, starting my own company. And I left uh, mm. uh after about five years and started, founded my company since. And uh, right now I work with mostly nonprofits, uh, healthcare, 
health organizations and governments and helping them understand a little bit about what change means. Uh, I often say my work is on innovation, which it is. It's really about how do you take new ideas and turn them into something that has value. So um, that's that's the work that I do. But also alongside of that, I also work, um, I, I bring in a couple of other things. When I left the University of Toronto, I went uh, back to school and did a master's degree in design. Because often one of the things that I find is that uh, people want to do change. But you know, if, if, if you want to do something new or innovative, you really have to design. You have to be a designer. So I noticed that with uh, people who have kind of designed thinking, if you will, that skill um, are really good at working on creating new things that have a lot of value. So I bring all those things together. And it's just been it's been a lot of fun being able to bring that behavioral science part uh along with design. And, and I also do work um, in evaluation, which is basically the idea of taking those, that psycho psychological thinking, design thinking, and then making things and seeing what they do. So that's where the evaluation stuff comes in. So it's a little of an unusual bricolage of, uh, of things that I do, but it all comes together, uh, you know, in, in the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that journey. It's, uh, not dissimilar to ours. Sylvia and I went to school and did a master's in design as well. And we would love to be working in this space as well, which is why we started Sick Health. So I wanted to just touch on your work right now briefly. What would you say is the biggest challenge facing you right now? Right now is interestingly, it's the very thing that um, I help organizations with, and it's that's change itself. I think what we're in is a very interesting space where we've had the COVID nineteen pandemic really upended a lot of things, particularly in the health sector and the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. And what's happened was is it forced everybody to have to make a lot of changes. Not un, not but by survival, like there was little else they could do. And what's interesting about that was, is that it, you know, people learned a lot about what, how to do some new things, some things that, you know, that may have been old ways of doing things that weren't serving people. Well, now people had a chance to kind of blow that up and, uh, and do something new. But the challenge now is how do you go on to the next stage because of what I'm finding is mm -hmm. you have a lot of people who are just tired. They're really tired. They're um, it's been hard. The COVID-19 pandemic. I think one of the things is we're only now, I think starting to really appreciate how difficult that, that was I mean, when it's in an emergency mode, it's in some ways simpler because people just go, 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 and you're responding. But now that we're sort of in the, now what happens next phase, people are trying to figure out what, what do we want to do next? We can't go back to the way things were uh, for lots of good reasons, not, not just because of things changing. But the question is what comes next? And I find that's the biggest challenge is helping getting getting conversations about how do we dream differently when the world has changed substantially. And then on top of that, we've got things like climate change. We've got you know, artificial intelligence upending a lot of things. We've got a lot of big things coming. And I think mm -hmm. COVID was a great dress rehearsal, if you will. Um, now the question is, how do we take that and, and, 
and apply that. And that's what I see as the, really the biggest challenge is you've got organizations who are tired, they're fatigued, but they're wiser. And how do you kind of build all that stuff in together to, to make a difference? Yeah, I agree. It's so complex and people are tired of the status quo and just tired of being in that mode, the emergency mode that you speak to, especially providers. As a provider, I'm just like exhausted every day. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. And the organizations, they don't know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the other things is, is that particularly within healthcare, and this is a kind of a a sad irony is that um, health services, public health, um, all the helping professions are very good at helping the public. They did a fantastic job. They continue to do a fantastic job under a very strained system. Um, they're not as good at looking after themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find that health professionals are, uh, you know, it, it's it's difficult for them to to seek and accept help sometimes. And as organizations, they're not always that good at, at doing health promotion with themselves, even though they may be very good at doing that with the community. Mm-hmm. And it directly affects the community because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're really not taking care of those people. Absolutely. The, end, mm-hmm. the way that they, that they could be cared for. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. And on the flip side, what would you say? Th- these are all potentially opportunities as well, right? Like what, yeah. the key, what's the key opportunity for you and your work? They certainly are. I mean, this is, um, you know, that on the substance of things, uh, I don't think I've ever been had people more interested in the work that I do in the sense of, of wanting to figure out how to do this. How do we actually change? Like changes, it's an, an I, interesting thing is that it's everywhere and we're always doing it, but we're not always doing it by design. So sometimes we're Mm -hmm. reacting. Um, Mm -hmm. The key is how do you lead it as much as you can, knowing that there's always things that are going to come up. So those are, but, but the key opportunities, and this is what I gets me excited is that this is a chance to remake things, make and remake things. So there was parts of the healthcare system, for example, that really weren't working all that well. And it took the pandemic by having everything kind of upended to allow people to, to experience some creativity and to solve some big problems, uh, because they had no other choice. And, uh, I think that's one of the big opportunities right now. People are much more aware of what the system is within the system, not just outside the system. Like you're getting a lot more professionals who are saying, I know more about what's going on in our system than I did before because I I had no choice. I had to reach out to people in the community or people in other allied health professions or other areas of the same healthcare facility that I was in that I didn't used to work with. So I think that's a real opportunity. And I think if we can get people just to, I know people want to forget the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, but if we can just get people to remember a little bit about what it was that they did and what worked uh, I think that's a that's an opportunity that I hope we don't miss. Mm-hmm. Really good point. Working with people's success. That's a good way to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And looking at what we did before the pandemic as well, see what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. A lot didn't work. So. so we also wanted to talk about the other work that you do. Um how and why did you create your blog? And you also have a podcast called Sense Making. 
or the blog is called Sense Making, and we noticed that it has a cafe theme to it. Where did that come from? Well, so it, it all came from. I, I love coffee. Um, you know, I just it's. But I love the cafe culture. Like more specifically, if you look at um, from a perspective of innovation. So the idea behind the blog, I should back up a little bit, um, and the podcast was really around innovation. Innov- like the idea of change making. So by design, that's really what innovation is. And um, what I was doing at the time, actually, I was teaching. And I thought, well, you know, maybe what I could do is I could make some ideas from the academic literature a little bit more accessible and, you know, talk a little bit about what I'm seeing and what I'm learning. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe in some of my colleagues and stuff like that might, might benefit from it. So I, I wrote the blog, started the blog. And as it turned out, none of my students and none of my colleagues ended up uh, reading it at all. But what's interesting was is a bunch of other people did. I found I found an audience. People said I'd really like to learn more about this. So it's been going now for I think almost thirteen years, fourteen, no more than that. I think over fifteen years. Um, I've been doing the blog. I've got hundreds of pot of uh, entries on there. But the the bigger picture was is this cafe theme really was around the idea of thinking about one of the great things about a cafe is if you go anywhere in the world, whether it's a, it's coffee or whether it's tea or whether something else is that it's a way to have a conversation. So you go to people's homes, they offer you a drink. Um, if you, you want to go talk about the issues of the day, often, you know, meet a friend at a, at a coffee uh, cafe or something like that. It's meant to be a place for conversation about important ideas. Now it's, it's not a, a, an interactive blog, but my thoughts have always been is that what if I could provide some ideas for people for when they're taking their coffee break and thinking, Oh yeah, that's an interesting idea. I'd like to explore more about that. So that's kind of part of what it meant to be. And if you think about it, the coffee houses in, in England, for example, in the industrial revolution, oftentimes people said it was coffee that fueled the industrial revolution because all of a sudden you had places where people would gather their kind of hyped up on on caffeine instead of alcohol, which they used to be. And all of a sudden they're talking about ideas, they're they're sharing things, they're learning from each other. Um so to me it just felt like it just made a lot of sense and, and it also fit with my my coffee tastes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to also ask you about uh, change because you've mentioned that a lot uh, so far. Um, so designing for change in health and environment, um, we see the words change and innovation throughout your writing and podcasting and videos as well that you post on LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach change in your work? Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as I think I, I said a little earlier, I mean, change people, we're changing all the time. We always change. But what's interesting is, is that people don't always like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's often a little bit of resistance to it. I know uh, Andre Picard, actually, the, the journalist, uh, recently was on CBC's Ideas, and he gave a, a, a talk at the, uh, the Dalton Camp Lecture. And one of the things that he kept talking about how you know, Canada has a real problem with change. We don't mm-hmm. like to do it very well. Most people don't like to do it. It's not just Canada, but Canada, I think, is particularly difficult in its approach. So usually when I approach things with um, 
with people, uh, whether it's my clients or whether it's teaching or anything like that, is that I actually think people don't mind change. I actually don't think it, it's as difficult for people as they think. But it's it's often the uncertainty that comes from there's the you know the idea of the devil that you know, which is the the status quo, mm-hmm. versus the devil that you don't, which is the what happens if we change. Um, and part of the other problem is particularly in the healthcare system, which does make it difficult is, is that rarely is this about me changing or you changing or someone else changing. It's, we all have to change together. So we need to communicate. We need to talk through things. We need to sense make, which kind of was a bit of a twist on, on what, um, my, my blog was, was a a twist on the idea of making sense of things. So sense making, Mm -hmm. And really, it's this idea about trying to understand, you know, coming together and asking each other questions about what it is that we're, what our experience is, what we know, and then also looking about what we have. Like, I always, I'm a big believer in setting people up for success because, you know, it's discouraging if you want to try and change something and then you fail or it doesn't work out very well. So one of the things to do is just look a little bit of what you have. And what kind of skills you have. Most times people are actually quite skilled at being able to make change happen or innovate uh, or create new things. But they often don't get the freedom to be able to do that. And so, you know, when you're coming together to to create change, one of the other things that I I try to do is, is give people permission. They give themselves permission, really. But it's like inspire people to think a little bit about a little bit of freedom and flexibility. And one of the best ways to do this is just to look at that children, children collaborate very well. They will try new things because they've never done it before. And to them, there's no stakes in it. So for them, it's all about how do we get to the solution and maybe how do we have fun with that? And I think there's something beautiful in that. But as adults, we all of a sudden stakes come up, there's status attached to it. There's, um, you know, there's risks. There's always risks, but I think they often get overblown. Uh, you know, there's far more risk in most cases of not doing anything than there is of doing something and not getting it hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows anything about design or design thinking is generally the idea is, is that you, you want to try and come up with some ideas and you want to then try to put those ideas into the world. Like, create something. But often it's the idea is how do you create uh, the most amount of change with the least amount of effort? So, so do small things, see if they work, then do the next thing and then do the next thing and string a lot of small things together to, to create the, the large scale change that people want. So that's really what I do is I try to, to help demystify it for people. Number one, I also try to help them anchor to the things that they already, so they already know how to change. They often might not realize it. Um, I also like to try and make it fun. And I mean that that's not an unserious thing is that actually having things that tap into people's creativity, their experience, their knowledge, their, their professional competence does a lot. It gets people excited. And, um, the, the designer Bruce Mao, I, I always look to him for some inspiration. And one of the things that he says is design primary outcome should be inspiration. And I believe that f- fully because if you don't create something that inspires people, it doesn't have to blow their minds, but it, it, it needs to get them excited about doing something different 
they won't do it. And one of the ways to do that is to give people a little bit of freedom, a little bit of flexibility, and also get them involved in the process as much as you can. And that's a way to get people inspired. So I bring all those things together and, and try to, to help organizations tap into that and then help them just channel them a little bit into the direction that they want to go. Mm-hmm. I agree with that uh, fully. And I um, absolutely agree with the communication part as well. And the reason why design being a designer and designing is really important because a lot of people just rush into something and then it won't work. They ha- they didn't talk it through, uh, through all the points on how it would work. There's a lot more at stake when it comes to an organization. Um, so there has to be time for communication and talking through and working through uh, the process uh, before implementing it. Because mm-hmm. If you implement it and it fails, then they're too afraid to try something else. Yeah. In case it fails again. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, can you also describe a couple of projects that illustrate this approach to change? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've spent a lot of the last uh, three years, uh, most of the last two, I guess you could say, working with uh, public health units in particular, uh, helping them with their post-pandemic planning. Now, originally, of course, it was all started to be post-pandemic, and then we had a couple more waves come in, and all of a sudden it wasn't post anymore. But it was these organizations who discovered that they were making some real positive changes. Now, some of the changes were done because there was no choice, um, and some of them were done um, you know, with less thought or time put in. But I really worked with a lot of organizations um, to help them rethink what it meant to learn. So... Part of this was around doing things like after-action reviews. So walking these organizations through what they did, what they learned, what worked, what didn't work so well, where they were as individuals and where they were as an organization. And, and using this also as a real healing opportunity, a chance for people to talk a little bit. Because surprisingly, as to my earlier comment, these organizations were working so hard just to respond to the public. Um, they hadn't had a lot of time to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was really helping them walk through that. And the idea behind this was really about thinking about design. Like how would they design their future selves, take all the lessons that they've learned and honor all of that, and then transform that into their, their next self, if you will. So that was really one of the big things that's been done. It's been incredibly rewarding work. And um, it's it's been very emotional. It's been inspiring. Um, and I hope I hope it has some lasting impact for these organizations because now they're all struggling. I, I don't say struggling in a in a negative sense, but now they're trying to figure out how do they bring their new self into an environment, a municipal government, usually a provincial government or federal government, that um, is also changed and may or may not have gone undertaken the same thing that they have. So it's a case of them trying to reconfigure their relationships with uh, organizations and themselves and things like that. Um, so that's that's definitely one one project that I, I would uh, set of projects, but they're quite similar for different uh, organizations. Um, that I worked on, but another one actually has also been quite fun, a little bit different for, but same kind of idea was, uh, worked with an organization, uh, that was a network of different organizations that had space, um, 
office space. And you can imagine what would have happened is this was a vibrant, exciting, dynamic, and innovative and creative space where all of these different organizations came to work and collaborated and networked and learned from each other. And then the pandemic came and everybody went home. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, you know, people left the organization. You had new people who were hired. You had, you know, all these different waves of, of the, of the virus, you know, the, the different uh, waves of COVID-19 coming in and everything like that. And people's work habits changed. Like this is across the sectors. So this isn't, you know, unique to them. Well, now they're trying to figure out, well, what do we do now? Because now we're in a world where many people work remotely, whether it's full-time or part-time. So what I did is I helped them reimagine their space. I conducted a number of interviews, had a lot of conversations, and really started to get them to think a little bit about what what was the, their purpose? So what did the space serve? What does it offer right now? And how do you redesign it for uh, a new community that is hybrid, that some people are coming in regularly, some people are coming in occasionally, some people aren't coming in much at all, mm-hmm. and um, and getting them to rethink a little bit. So connect to those values and beliefs and practices that worked really well beforehand and thinking about what would that look like in a new world, in the in the world now, and and to think about that for the next three or four years. So how would you say that impact was measured in these projects or is it going to be measured and what approach? Yeah. So, so there was uh, always, I always provide recommendations for evaluation. So one of the things is um, in both cases. uh, So the the post pandemic work within public health, most of that was here are some recommendations for implementing uh, change, healthy change for their organizations that, that they came up with, with sort of my facilitation. Mm-hmm. Really the impact is that, did they implement it? Did they, you know, this comes back to, to Andre Picard's thing is that, did they actually take and do things with that? And were they able to continue to do that, that thing? So that's, that's, that's out, sort of outcomes, but, but the impact in that case was really getting them to pay attention to their own health and well being, asking some questions. How am I doing today? How's my organization helping me and how am I helping that, that organization? So a two way street. And because that's when every, that's an interesting thing that came up in every organization said that people were at their best, even they weren't at their best, but they were, they were, they're the most powerful part of their work was when they were able to contribute and they were able to get something back. So that was really quite important um, there. And the other one was mostly around the idea, but can they implement some things that add the spirit and, and, and vitality to their, their space? So it was a simple, simple outcomes and simple impact, but, but big, big in terms of, you know, in the year to come, are people going to be excited, inspired, collaborative, and generally healthy? do continue check-ins because that's Mm -hmm. one of the big things that happened during the pandemic was because things were changing so much. People were checking in regularly and the idea of being able to, rather than do an end survey, what if you treated those check-ins, if you kept doing that and you kept using those check-ins and document the, the small changes that you make over time, in some ways, when you string those together, you, there's your impact right there. 
mm-hmm. a number of small decisions made over and over again um, in new ways based on context and things like that. That's how complex systems evolve, change, and develop. And that's really where their biggest biggest outcome was. Um, they, they definitely the idea of doing some surveys and interviews in like my recommendation in many cases was usually somewhere down the road, giving them a chance to implement things. So that could be six or 12 months down the road, but those small little things, that's actually where I think the the most important outcomes are. I'm going to segue into our wrapping up our episode. What would you say is the one key takeaway you'd like to leave our listeners with Cameron? Oh, that's a a great question. Um, What I would say is this, is that um, one of the best things about engaging in change is uh, when you think like a designer, Mm. what it does is it gets you to really think a little bit about what it is that you really want. And then if you're not wedded to how you get there, all of a sudden the world is opened up to lots of different possibilities. So all I would simply say is that Keep trying. Try different things. There's, there's no one way to create change. There's a lot of ways that don't work. But the idea is if you seek inspiration in the things that you're looking to, to change and create, you'll, you'll do some wonderful things. Sounds good. We know that you're a big coffee drinker. You mentioned that earlier around the theme of your newsletter, cup of coffee. So what type of coffee would you recommend for us? I'm also a big coffee drinker, by the way. Well, you know, it's funny is that, I mean, I, my view is this, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm a coffee lover and I'm not, but I'm not a coffee snob. So I'm always of the, whatever coffee you like is the best coffee to drink. But personally, I'm a, I'm more of a, an espresso fan. Um, I will say that one of the things that I do like about, uh, if you've ever traveled to Europe is there's a lot of countries where breakfast is just like a croissant and a Mm -hmm. a latte. And to me that, that not nutritionally, but just from a social standpoint is a fantastic way to start your day. So that's probably what I'd recommend. Totally. I totally got you. Now you're making me want to travel to Europe. And finally, how can our listeners connect with you? What would you like to share in terms of your social media or anything you'd like to share? Sure. Well, one of the things that I've always wanted to do, whether I was a formal teacher or not, is I always like to teach. And I, I use my my media channels, my my blog and podcast and LinkedIn and things like that to share ideas that I have. And hopefully it has some value. So if anybody wants to contact me, I, I'm, I'm very happy to, to speak with them, whether uh, it's just to learn more or whether there's any... Um, way that, you know, if there's, if there's help that they need that I can be of assistance, I'm, I'm happy to be contacted at, uh, my website is, uh, www.sense with a C C N S E dot C A. My blog is sense making. So it's just, um, sense making.com. Um, or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always available on LinkedIn. So just look up Cameron Norman. Probably if you do sense, you'll, there's not too many other senses out there. You'll, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I thought there were five senses. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there are many. Yeah. Well, that's user sense. Those senses are, are uh, that's actually part of the whole, that's not one of the reasons I named it is because those things are, that's how we learn. We learn yeah. through our senses. Yeah, exactly. 
Thanks for joining us today, Cameron. And we'll have all of your contact information in our show notes. Great. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to On the Edge with your hosts, Nita and Sylvia. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or drop a comment and rating. Head over to sickhealth.ca to learn more about sick and check out all the links and resources in the episode show notes. Thanks and stay tuned for future podcast episodes with On the Edge with Sick.